Hello, church family. Thank you for joining us for another message from Res Life Holland. We hope this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus and empowers you to live the life God has for you. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. This week, I was preparing a message, and then on Friday, I felt strongly that wasn't the message for this week. It's something else. And I, God put this topic on my heart today how to face rejection. Now, you don't need to raise your hand, um, but how many of you have ever faced rejection? We've lately been talking about misconceptions. We've talked about things that we may have heard or may have thought that weren't actually in the Bible. And one of those misconceptions that I'm going to take face on today is, if I don't do anything wrong, my life will go smoothly. A lot of people have this idea that when, when something goes wrong, when there is a challenge in their life, if, God forbid, they experience rejection, that means they did it all wrong. This is what John chapter 16, says. I have told you these things so that you may have peace in this world. You will have trouble. Anybody have that like up on your fridge? In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus said... I've gone to bat for you, I've overcome the world, but he didn't say, therefore, everything will be roses. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, said this in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four. Five times I've received from the Jews 40 lashes minus ones. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I have labored and I have toiled and I have gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. This is Paul, who had direct visions with, of God. He wrote most of the New Testament. Does it sound like his life was always roses? No. No, it doesn't. Now somebody might be listening to me and says, well, it sounds like maybe being a Christian, doing things right is a recipe for trouble. Maybe I'll do better if I just avoid it. But here's what the Bible says. It says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, do not allow yourselves to grow weary in planting good seeds. Other translations say in doing good. For the season of reaping, for the wonderful harvest you've planted is coming. That was the Passion Translation. Others says, do not grow weary in doing and good, for in due season you will reap a harvest. Here's the thing. Doing the right thing 
will reap a harvest and will bring a benefit. The, the, the disconnect we have is we think it's automatic. It's like, anybody ever exercised and then looked right in the mirror immediately afterwards, like, did it work? Like, there are, there are physical laws that govern the way our bodies function. And yes, if you exercise, it is good for your body. But you don't see the results instantly. So what happens? A lot of people don't bother. Because they don't see the results fast enough. The Bible compares doing good to that in the sense that it, it shows a similar picture. It says, hey, if you do good, in due season, you will reap a harvest. The big lie, we've talked about believing misconceptions, the big lie that is so often believed about rejection is that if I am rejected, that says of me that I am worthless. The truth is, okay, this is the, the lie is, rejection defines me. If I have been rejected, then, then there's something wrong inherently, and most people believe perpetually, about me. But the truth is, if you are rejected, you're in good company. Luke chapter 6, 22 says, Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. Jesus says, when, when you are rejected, for doing what's right. He says, you should rejoice because a reward is coming. James chapter one, verse two says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, and lacking nothing. So many people have, have defined themselves by their failures. I, re I remember um, Facebook suggesting a friend. It was someone who had grown up in church with me. And you can put on their, you know, your name and then like just a little tagline or a little something. And this person had their greatest failure listed. They had, they had gone through some terrible things and that's what they had written up. And I was just like so confused. That was their identity. We're in good company when we're rejected. So many people. The, researchers say 33% of people have been fired from their job. That's one-third. You don't have to raise your hand. You ever been fired? I've been fired before. I'm not going to take the time to explain the whole situation. It was based on a misunderstanding, but I got fired. Mozart. Ever heard of him? 
Mozart the musician was fired by the Prince Archbishop of Salzburg for music. You're not doing a good job. Nikolai Tesla, one of the greatest scientific minds, fired. Oprah Winfrey was fired and told she doesn't do good on television. Steve Jobs, fired from Apple. Jerry Seinfeld, fired from the first sitcom he did. Told he had a lackluster performance. If I'm not mistaken, he was the first sitcom actor to receive a million dollars per episode eventually. So, if, does, here's the question, does rejection define me? Of all those people, great, we're in good company, but Jesus was rejected. Think about that for a second. Jesus was rejected. God was rejected. Lucifer rebelled against God and convinced a bunch of angels to join him in rebellion, and they rejected God. What did he do wrong? What did God do wrong? Rejection is not a perpetual sign that you are a failure. Hebrews chapter 4, 15 says this, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted. When you see that, you can, you can change that for the word tested in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus was also rejected. Isaiah 53, 3. And I just want to, I want to mention this. There are so many different rejections. 41% of first marriages statistically end in divorce. That's a lot of people feeling rejected. But will they define themselves? Will they believe the lie that if I was rejected, then I am worthless? No. Isaiah 53, 3 says, he, speaking of Jesus, was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Now, we remember the stories of when Jesus invited the disciples. Do you guys remember that? He went and found some fishermen, and he called them to follow me and the Bible says that they left their nets and they followed him and he, he found a doctor and he found a tax collector and he found some people. How many of you remember the disciple who rejected him? We don't even, we don't even call it by that, that story by that name. We call it Jesus and the rich young ruler. But if you remember, this is what it says in chapter 19, verse 21. And Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, because he had come and said, hey, what do I have to do? He said, go sell what you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, and come follow me. See, that is the same invitation that Jesus gave to the other disciples who left and followed him. Here came a man who was passionate about living a good life, and Jesus said, well, if you really want to, sell what you have, and follow me. He invited him to be disciple number 13. But when the young man heard 
that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. With God, so he had great possessions. Then verse 23 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Surely I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. How did Jesus take rejection? Did he then say, oh, what am I doing wrong? No, Jesus recognized this isn't personal. He recognized there are other issues at play here. In that case, he recognized this is a person with great wealth. And in order to follow me, he would have to let go of that wealth, and he's struggling with that. This isn't my fault. This is his choice. This isn't my fault. This is his choice. And that wasn't the most profound rejection that Jesus ever experienced. Of course not. We know that he came into he came into a community, and you remember the story about Jesus riding in on the donkey and the crowd standing out and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna? You realize that was only a few days before the same crowd was shouting, crucify him? How's that for rejection? And we know that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, Luke chapter 23, verse 34 says, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. See, Jesus, when he was rejected, he looked at the truth. They don't know what they're doing. There's more going on than just evaluation of me. How many of you have ever watched a, the, the YouTube videos where someone is trying to rescue an animal and maybe the animal's antlers are caught in a fence or, or their leg is caught in a trap, but they're, they're somehow caught and then someone is there trying to help them but the animal is biting at them, kicking at them, struggling against being helped. That's the picture I see of Jesus. He's laying down his life for them, and, and the, the very people he wants to help are biting back. And Jesus recognizes, he says, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We need to understand that rejection is not a definition of who you are. Say it with me. I will not allow rejection to define me. Another way of saying that is I will not take rejection personally. Rejection is not an automatic definition. Now, can we learn from some situation? You know what? There are some times... You know, if you're looking for a job, you come in with ketchup stains, garlic breath, you bed, bedhead, and, and you don't get the job? 
You know, don't take it personally. There are other issues at, at heart, but you know what? You can learn from that. The next interview you go for, let's, let's comb our hair, let's brush our teeth, let's change that shirt, get rid of the ketchup stain. Whatever it is. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 20 through 22 says, Indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sins. Do not pay attention to every word people say. I'm going to read that part again. Do not pay attention to every word people say. Or you may hear your servant cursing you. Do you know what he's saying? He says, you might hear people rejecting you. For you know in your heart that many times you yourself have cursed others. He says, don't listen to every word they say. Luke 10, 16 says, the one who hears you hears me. The one who rejects you rejects me. And the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are God's representatives on earth. When we walk according to the purposes of God for our lives, God says he sees rejection of us as rejection of him. You don't have to even the score. That's not your job. He sees it. Another thing to remember is that hurt people hurt people. In 1 Samuel 30, we have the story of, of King David and his, his group of men. And they left their, their town where all their families were for a while and they came back to Ziglag. And it says, David and his men arrived in the burned city and found their wives and daughters and son had gone, gone, taken captives by the Amalekite raiders. And when they saw this, they cried out and they wept aloud and they could, until they could weep no more. David's wife, Aniah, Jezreel, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal and Carmel, were among those carried off. David, too, was in anguish. Some of his men talked about stoning him because they were so bitter about their families being taken. Again, how much more profound can a rejection be than I am so mad at you, I'm going to kill you? That's what they said. We're so upset. Look what it says. But David took comfort in the eternal one, his true God. He recognized this isn't personal. You guys are, you're, you're angry at me because you're hurt by that situation. You are hurt and you want to hurt. Rejection is temporary. So is success. I already mentioned that it was six days before the crucifixion that the, the entire community was out there shouting Hosanna, Hosanna and throwing down the palm leaves. Rejection doesn't last. We, we, have, we as people have a fear of rejection because we believe it to be more permanent than it is. 
There's, there's an interesting book, 100 Days of Failure, by a fellow by the name of Jai Ching. And he writes this story because he, he decided to try to fail. Sounds funny, but he decided to attempt things that were sure to fail. And he would do random things like ask to borrow $100 from a stranger or go to a, a, a fast food joint and ask for a burger refill <laughs> or go to a donut shop and ask them to make the Olympic symbol out of donuts or go to a random person's house and ask to plant a flower in their backyard. He did this because he, he was trying to understand failure. Here's what he learned in the process. It wasn't about him and it wasn't about what he asked because all of those ridiculous things he asked for, when he did it enough times, somebody gladly did it. He succeeded. He said he was shocked. The first person he asked to plant a flower in their backyard said, well, I have a dog back there and he's not good with strangers. It wasn't, no way, why would I let you plant a flower in your, it's like, well, my dog would bite you. Otherwise, I would be fine with it. And he went to a couple more places and what he learned was he had he had defined himself. He had thought, it's because of me. I, I don't achieve this because, no, there's always so much more going on. James 4.2 says, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot, what you cannot get, what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. We need, to, we need to redefine failure in our own minds. We have to recognize when, when we are rejected, when we fail in an attempt, that is not a permanent definition of who you are. If someone has rejected you, that does not define who you are. It just doesn't. God was rejected. Jesus was rejected. So many people have experienced failures. I think I shared this list with you before, but in 1832, this man lost his job. He was defeated for the, the state legislator in 1832. He failed in business in 1833. He was elected to state legislature in 1834, but then his uh, fiance died in 1835. He had a nervous breakdown in 1836. He was defeated for speaker in 1838. He was defeated for the nomination of Congress in 1843. He was selected to Congress in 1846, but then he lost his renomination in 1848. He was rejected for land office, sir, in 1849. He was defeated for the U.S. Senate in 1854. He was defeated for the nomination to the vice president in 1856. And again, he was defeated for Senate in 1858. But then we elected President Abraham Lincoln, president in 1860. Failure, failure, failure. Sometimes we get accustomed to failure, accustomed to rejection, and we begin to expect it. How many of you remember the story of Naaman? In 2 Kings 5, 
Naaman was a general in Syria. And he had leprosy. Leprosy was a contagious disease that at that time, no cure was known. And when someone contracted leprosy, they were rejected from society. No one could interact with them anymore, and they were just kept on the outskirts. Well, he was rich, like big time rich. So he was able to maintain slaves. One of them was a, a girl from Israel. And she told him about the God in Israel and the prophet in Israel and told him he could be healed. So Naaman comes seeking healing. And he goes to the prophet's house. He brings all of this money so he can purchase a miracle. And he knocks on the door. And instead of coming to the door, the prophet sends his servant. And his servant goes out there and tells him, all you have to do is go to the river Jordan, dip seven times, and you will be healed. Verse 11. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Was Naaman rejected? Was he rejected? No, the very thing that he came to get was promised to him. But he saw it as rejection. He says, I had imagined in my mind that things were going to go a certain way. I imagined that, that the prophet would come out himself and that he would wave his hand in some ceremonious way over the spot and that that is how I was going to be healed. And when what he expected to happen didn't happen, even though what did happen was a promise of healing, he he internalized it as a rejection. He got angry, and he was on his way to march home. But the Bible says that one of his servants said, hey, if he had asked you to do some big, difficult thing, you probably would have done it, right? It's like, yeah. He says, why not try this simple, simple thing? And he goes down. And the Bible says he dipped seven times, and on the seventh time when he came up out of the water, his skin was perfectly healed. What I want to, to see there is he expected rejection so much. Why did he expect it? Because he had experienced it many times before. Many of us have experienced rejection enough times that we start to see it even where it's not. When, when the way we imagined things would go doesn't turn out exactly the way we thought, we just say, oh, I've been rejected again. Oh, I've been rejected again. That's not the case. If, if you become, if you believe that you deserve rejection. If you expect rejection, you will find it even when it's not there. 
He expected rejection, so even assistance was treated as a rejection. I like to use the example that, that rejections and, and wounds can be... Now, how many of you are enjoying the heat? Oh, I'm going to ask again in like February and see how many of you guys want this heat. Pretty soon, what's going to happen? The leaves are going to change colors. Anybody have like multiple trees in their yard? Then you know what I'm about to talk about. In just a, just a couple of weeks now, the leaves are going to fall, and you're going to have to go out there and rake those leaves. You haven't done it all summer, but you go out there and you spend four hours raking leaves. The next morning, what do you find on your hand, if you forget your gloves especially? Blisters. Now, have you ever had a blister from, say, raking the leaves and then you're just in the house and maybe you reach for the broom and you grab that broom and that broom lines up right on those those blisters especially if the blisters have popped open and you have that super sensitive skin underneath now you go to 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 broom to to brush and it hurts doesn't it did the broom hurt your hand The broom didn't hurt your hand. What hurt your hand was the rake the day before. But because the broom is similar to the rake, and because the wound isn't healed, when you touch it, the pain is there. So many of us have experienced pain and rejection in the past. And we have these, these unhealed wounds. And so we enter a new relationship, a new situation, and someone shows up and all they want to do is help. Naaman had all these literally open sores. And when the prophet didn't help exactly as he expected, when the, it felt to him close, similar enough to the rejection that he had had in the past, his reaction was anger. He reacted to rejection even though there was none. Because it reminded him of that. You know, that in a, in a way, what we're describing is trauma. When you have experienced something intense and then something similar but not the same causes the same emotion to come back. You know, my first understanding of trauma came from soldiers. Soldiers who experienced terrible things in the battlefield, bombs going off and their, their friends being killed or worse next to them. And then they come back to the States. They're no longer in a war. And maybe they go to a birthday party. There's a bunch of third graders running around. And balloons and cake. And a balloon pops. And that explosion reminds them of the last time they were there. And emotionally, they immediately experience the pain and the emotions 
that accompanied the explosion. But, but are they in danger? No, they're not. They're reacting emotionally to something similar, but it's not the same. We do the same thing with rejection. When we don't let it heal, how do we, how do we let it heal? We have to forgive and let it go. When you hold that rejection, when you rehearse that rejection, when you rehearse that pain over and over again, what you're doing is you're keeping those wounds open. We need to recognize the truth. What, what do you do for, for, for someone who, who just dived under the table to keep safe because a balloon went off? You know, they just, hey, it's okay. Take a look around. Let's, let's assess the situation and recognize the truth of whether there is or isn't any danger. The Bible says in Romans 8.31, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That's the truth. The truth is, Luke 6, verse 22 through 23 says, Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn you. Your name is evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. The truth is, you are loved. Isaiah 41, 9 says, You whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, You are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. It's a matter of perspective. John 15, 18 says, If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember, the word that I said to you as a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. And then we need to remember that our destination is guaranteed. Psalms 34, 17 says, When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. 1 Peter 2 Verse 23 says, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. We do not expect anyone but God to judge us justly. If we experience rejection, that does not define us. We can learn from it, but that is not our, our perpetual identity. The Bible says he was reviled, but he did not revile in return. Don't let rejection turn us 
into someone who then goes out and rejects. Don't let that pain turn you into someone who then turns and inflicts pain on others. It says, he, when he suffered, he did not threaten. But he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. We are not defined by rejection or by failure. We are defined by the God who made us in his image. Some, someone hearing this has been defining themselves by their rejections. They have trusted and believed that, that rejection or failure was, was what defines them. What, that is their identity. That is not the case. God made you in his image. He has a plan and a purpose for you. Just because someone else doesn't see it, doesn't acknowledge it, doesn't want to be a part of it, that doesn't make it disappear. God still has a plan and a purpose for your life. You are called. You are loved. Do not, do not believe that failure and rejection are the last word. The Bible says that if you do not grow weary in doing good in due season, you will reap a harvest. We are so blessed to have a perspective that is broader than the world. We recognize that, that today isn't the only day. This week isn't the only week. This year isn't the only year. And you know what else? This life isn't the only life. We, we will spend eternity with him. The rejection that we are tempted to define ourselves by is so small in comparison to all that we have coming and all that we are. I just want to pray a blessing over your Heavenly Father. I just pray for your wisdom, for your wisdom to apply these words from your, your word to the situations that each people, each of us are living in. Lord, we recognize that you have called us to great things. We recognize that you have plans and purposes for us. I pray that you will help us to walk those out. I ask that you will give us wisdom, the wisdom required to reject the defining parameters that we have put on ourselves because of rejections or failures in the past. Lord, we acknowledge that we are in good company with you, having experienced difficulties and rejection in the past, but that does not define us. I thank you for it. I speak health. I speak wholeness. I speak peace 
And I ask that you would help people forgive those who have rejected them. Lord, because holding on to that offense is keeping that rejection close. And we don't want that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you're here today and you know that your sins are forgiven, that you're right with God, I want to ask you to raise your hand. That's awesome. The Bible says, know that you have salvation. If you're looking around, if you saw those hands and you said, well, I hope, but I don't know. The Bible tells us you can know. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, if you believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and confess with your mouth that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. It doesn't say you'll, you can hope for it, you can find out later, you'll wonder if, it says you will be. So if you are here, with every eye closed just for a moment, if you're here and you want to take that step and know that you are right with God, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right now and we'll do that together. If there's someone watching online, I want to invite you to just repeat with us. We're all going to say it together. Say, Dear God, we believe that you sent your son who died on the cross for our sins and who rose from the dead. We accept your forgiveness. We thank you that we are right with you and on our way to heaven. We choose to live our lives for you, not ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome.